Hey folks, thanks for tuning into this week's Stacker Chat, your weekly update on all things Stacks. My name is Gina Abrams, and I'm joined by Mani Bali, founder of Stacks. Stacks is smart contracts for Bitcoin, and Stacks Mainnet launched earlier this year. Thanks for being here, Maneeb. To kick things off a little bit differently this week, um, I'm curious, what's on your reading list right now? Um, my reading list, let me see. I think I've been... Uh... I've been reading, uh, so I'm a big fan of Snow Crash. So I've been trying to find uh, other science fiction stuff that's like it. So these days uh, I'm reading Neuromancer. I don't know if people, people are familiar with that. Very cool. Um, we'll, we'll check it out and maybe put a, a link below. Um, but great, let's dive in. So this week you've been at Masari's mainnet conference and your talk was covering Bitcoin's place in multi-chain world. So what has the sentiment been toward this topic and are there any takeaways from that conversation that, that you could share? I think the biggest takeaway is, uh, by the way, it was a great event. I think Ryan Selkis and the Masari team have done a great job. Like it, was, uh, it felt like a developer-focused event. Uh, most of the builders and founders uh, were there versus a more kind of like marketing focus or you know like a broader commercial type of event which i think i think that was a, uh, that was done very nicely uh interestingly i think the biggest takeaway for me was um that given that the event was focused more on builders uh people who were building interesting things in crypto and so on like how little focus there was on bitcoin right uh which which should be something that uh, is both an opportunity and a potential challenge, right? So uh, on the discussion that I was on, uh, there were people from uh, BitGo, which obviously, uh, you know, they do wrapped BTC. So that's like something like eight, $9 billion of Bitcoin that's issued as a wrapped asset on Ethereum. And then uh, folks from other ecosystems like, you know, TBTC and so on, which are again, trying to issue Bitcoin on other chains. Um, as a Bitcoiner, Obviously, you know, I was pointing out to people how uh, even though you have like, let's call it you know, eight, nine billion dollars in Bitcoin on Ethereum, that's still 1% of Bitcoin, right? So the vast majority of Bitcoin, 99% of it remains on the main Bitcoin chain. And there is a massive opportunity for try and directly deploy that capital into smart contracts and to actually bring smart contracts to Bitcoin versus trying to issue Bitcoin on, on other other blockchains, right? Which interestingly, like in many ways, like that should be the more obvious thing, uh, but that seems to be the more contrarian uh, thinking where most people are basically just looking at, hey, you know, why don't we just try to issue Bitcoin on other systems? And then they get into the differences of like how to do it. Is it a custodial approach? Is it a kind of like a collateral based approach and so on? And, and similarly, I feel like, uh, Outside of kind of like my my own discussion, if you look at what are people building uh, uh, in the crypto industry in general, like most of the folks are currently not paying attention to what they can uh, build on Bitcoin. And I think credit goes to the people who are currently in the Stacks ecosystem, uh, who are launching kind of like new things in the in the Stacks and Bitcoin ecosystem, because they're definitely early. They're definitely uh, seeing something that the market is missing. Like a lot of people are almost like missing out this potentially large market uh, that can develop directly around Bitcoin, and it's 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 it feels like it's like right in front of your eyes, but still 
uh, people are not fully seeing it right now. So I think that's why I said it's both a opportunity and a challenge as well, that I think there's more need for uh, education in the industry to, uh, I think at some point over the last two, three years, people just kind of like uh, got this image that, oh, smart contracts can't happen in Bitcoin, right? And they've completely uh, kind of like moved on to thinking that you need these other L1 uh, separate ecosystems for smart contracts and Bitcoin is just store of value. And it requires a little bit of like retooling and, and uh, updating their mental models that, oh, wait, like smart contracts can, can happen in the Bitcoin ecosystem and they're already happening and developers are building all these exciting things. So most of my discussion at the event was uh, effectively uh, trying to educate people uh, about that. Absolutely. And I think we're going to see a ton of new use cases um, coming out with all these apps launching in the, in the coming months. Um, but this does bring to mind, and you, and you touched on it, this paradigm shift almost for Bitcoin, um, extending beyond not just a store of value, but also the bedrock for a new Bitcoin economy. So can you speak further on the vision you have for this economy built around Bitcoin and the addressable market for stacks as smart contracts for Bitcoin? Yeah, so I think think, think of this as um, sometimes people compare Bitcoin to gold. I know it's a very uh, simple type of a narrative, and it has worked well for Bitcoin in the in the past years. So it, you think of that as like, hey, that's a store of value. It's like a hard asset, and then the market cap of gold is you know something like ten trillion or something, right? So people can very easily see that if Bitcoin is sitting uh, slightly shy of a trillion dollars. Uh, it can do a 10x potentially, it, only if it's going to match the, the market capital goal. And that story is simple and it makes a lot of sense. But I feel like once people understand that, the next step after that is then understanding that, well, Bitcoin is actually not like gold. Uh, it is programmable. It is a digital form of money or even like digital representation of energy. And you can do very interesting things with Bitcoin. Like you can actually start uh, using Bitcoin as collateral as the best best type of collateral out there in crypto. You can uh, have lending protocols around it. You can have like automated uh, uh, trading uh, opportunities or native swaps. And, and the list just kind of like goes on and on. But the analogy would be that, let's say you had, uh, you know, uh, gold back uh, currencies, but at some point a bond market emerged uh, uh, around in the, in the financial system as well. Right. If you look at the size of the bond market, and I'm just going to approximate that, you know, uh, different sources have different estimates, but let's call it like something like 100 trillion. Right. That's just the bond market. And uh, interestingly, like Stacks is a Bitcoin yielding asset. Right. And it, it makes Bitcoin programmable. So what you're talking about, like having a hard asset and then building interesting products like financial products and other derivative assets around it directly. And I think that is a potentially a very huge opportunity. And in, in, in some ways, like it has already been tested out in the market in ecosystems like Ethereum or some of the upcoming ones like, like Solana and Avalanche and so on. Right. So some of these ideas have actually been tested out. So the risk that uh, you know, is there demand for these things is actually much lower. I think the uh, the bigger uh, question mark was are smart contracts possible on Bitcoin? Which, with the with the launch of uh, the Stacks mainnet earlier in, in January this year, and and people have now already built all sorts of things like you know stable coins, uh, uh, 
all these native kind of like swapping mechanisms or automated market makers, yes, they're relatively early, uh, but we know that this is clearly possible, clearly can be done around Bitcoin. And I feel like that is a really potentially large market opportunity of uh, basically expanding the Bitcoin economy. Like Bitcoin has already established itself as uh, digital gold, as a really good store of value. And it's very logical to now take the next step and expand the economy around Bitcoin instead of going to separate ecosystems, which might be much smaller or have uh, kind of like their own internal issues uh, and, and, and trying to build these types of uh, DeFi products or new type of applications uh, over, over in those ecosystems and kind of like missing out on the largest crypto ecosystem, which is, which is actually Bitcoin. Absolutely. Thank you. Um, now, shifting gears a little bit, you know, Stacks is entirely decentralized, just like Bitcoin. Um, it's made of a number of independent entities, and we're really coming up on this critical time for growth in the ecosystem. As I mentioned before, a lot of app teams are launching in the coming months. Um, so from your perspective, what's a healthy balance between sort of decentralization and also speed for changes and adaptations in the Stacks network? Yeah, so I think I think if you look at a uh, spectrum, uh, I would put you know Bitcoin on one end of the spectrum, where Bitcoin is Bitcoin is valuable precisely because it's very hard to change, right? And everyone, even socially, people have just accepted that, and and this this has happened after like years of like you know almost like these block wars and uh, different forks happening and actually not gaining traction, and and the main Bitcoin. Uh, chain is is by far the dominant. But I think on, on one end of the spectrum, you have Bitcoin, where people have accepted that the the core properties of Bitcoin are basically not going to change. Uh, there will be uh, like smaller influence, uh, like like you know Taproot or you know, earlier it was SegWit and, and things like that. They don't change kind of like the supply of Bitcoin or introduce smart contracts. So there are radical changes. But they're incremental improvements that you know make certain things more efficient or uh, reduce the size of certain operations and so on, which are which are nice to them. So that's one end of the spectrum. I think the other end of the spectrum would be uh, what I would call you know systems that are actually heavily centralized, but they pretend to be decentralized, right? So they they could be flat out federated systems. Are systems that are basically closed membership, only data center type chains, right? So you need to be a data center member, um, and and you not everyone can be a miner, right? So it's like a closed membership system, and over there, uh, the changes are likely coming from whatever company is behind the project. Right? So if the company decides that hey, whatever uh, there was a there's a problem with the blockchain and you have to halt operations they can pretty much pick which state to resume from. And I think people are just gonna just follow along. But the benefit of that is, so it's like, it scores very low on decentralization, but then maybe very high on, on speed, right? Like both, both speed of actually doing transactions, but uh, speed of like making changes as well, because you're, you're kind of like trusting this, that centralized uh, entity or, or, or a small group anyway. So might as well, you know, let them, let them make the changes. Uh, and then I, I feel like there is uh, Stacks, which is definitely on the spectrum more towards where Bitcoin is, uh, where it's, it was launched by independent miners. Uh, one, of, one of the key properties is that, uh, you know, the original design allows for normal nodes. So you can just be on your laptop anywhere, anywhere on the planet uh, to, be, to be a miner, to be a full node. 
And you don't need permission from anyone to be a miner. Like it's a fully permissionless system at any given block, anyone can start bidding and, and, and try to bid one miner. So in, in general, so that's that's from the consensus side, but even from the from making any changes uh, to the blockchain, it pretty much follows uh, what Bitcoin does, right? So if you look at this SIP process, uh, SIP is the stacks improvement proposal, it's effectively like, you know, um, there is almost like guidelines for how uh, anyone uh, anyone can propose changes. And if the changes meet certain criteria, mostly from a development perspective, uh, then you know open source developers can effectively uh, program those changes. Uh, but even that doesn't mean much because miners ultimately have to adopt them. And the miner threshold is very, very high uh, for some of these changes. And that is, again, very similar to Bitcoin, right? But in general, I would say uh, one of the reasons for having a separate smart contract layer, uh, which, is, which is stacks for Bitcoin, is that you could be more experimental than Bitcoin itself, right? Because smart contracts by definition are more complex. And uh, so this is, this is a tension that, for example, Ethereum faces, because Ethereum tries to do more experimental things like smart contracts along with the core uh, money layer at the same uh, at, the, at the same layer, right? So there's this tension that do you want to be stable like Bitcoin and not change your monetary policy? Or do you want to be experimental and actually uh, actually try to change things more, more radically? And in, in many ways, like Stacks has actually resolved that tension in the design that Bitcoin can be much more stable, Stacks is smart contracts, and it can actually be more experimental than Bitcoin. We certainly don't want to be uh, uh, too much on the other end of the spectrum. Uh, but I think we definitely can be relatively more experimental and introduce kind of like more changes following the, the kind of like the decentralized SIP process and minor adoption that's there. So in terms of like expectation, uh, I think what, what this evolves into is if some change uh, makes economic sense for all the various independent players, like for example, like, let, let me throw one example out there. Let's say that there is some sort of new software that helps miners uh, make more money. Like let's say that they can collect more gas fees, right? Uh, it makes a lot of economic sense for miners to basically just 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 adopt that change, right? Uh, whereas if something was more controversial and it wasn't clear that the economic interests of the miners are aligned with you know the economic interests of some other party, then you would you would see that that change would meet with more resistance just in the decentralized ecosystem. And and over there we have kind of like picked the default that controversial changes are extremely hard to pull through. So if there's like broad consensus and miners are on board, like everybody's kind of like, you know, it's like, hey, this is great. Like, you know, let's do it. Then those type of changes can get through even relatively relatively quicker, I think. Although we, we don't have like a lot of data points, like, you know, the blockchain has only um, uh, the, the, been live, the mainnet was in January. But that's, that's kind of like my best guess that uh, we, if, if the change is not very controversial, especially it's in the economic interests of the miners, then I think it can can potentially uh, happen quickly. Thank you. Um, to the point of sort of upgrades, a Stacks core developer recently posted an update on more accurate cost functions for clarity functions. Um, could you unpack this a little bit in terms of um, what we might see in terms of upgrades over the coming weeks? Yes, so I think this, this, this is a little bit of a very interesting historic context here as well, right? So um, Clarity uh, VM effectively 
has cost for operations, right? So the, the cost has several dimensions. I'm going to go into all of them, but we're right now talking about effectively the runtime cost, which is people can think of as like compute costs, right? So uh, these, these functions, they're effectively almost like telling, um, telling the VM that how much compute cost will be there for, for some operation, right? And this is like before the, the mainnet launch, I think uh, at that time, like there was obviously, um, again, various parties involved because the mainnet launch uh, was triggered by miners, right? So if you will remember, there was a threshold of miners and if they come in, they could, they could actually uh, pick up log for when the mainnet launch would happen. And I, I don't exactly remember the details, but I definitely remember that there wasn't enough time given the miner threshold reaching uh, for more analysis and benchmarking uh, for some of these cost functions. So uh, some of the, what some of the core developers did and what any good engineer would do is that they uh, baked in uh, effectively these, these cost functions uh, by being very, very conservative. Meaning that uh, if, uh, if, if something actually costs, I'm just gonna pick a number, something like, you know, uh, let's pick a value of like 100, uh, they would put a value of a thousand instead, right? Just because they don't know if it's a hundred or two hundred or three hundred, they'd be like, "We're just going to be super careful and use a value of like a thousand, right?" Uh, so, so effectively, uh, what that meant for the performance of of our network capacity uh, for the blockchain is that let's say that uh, whatever the real capacity is, the the miners are operating as if the capacity is much lower, right? Because they have this artificial uh, limitation on these cost functions. So they think that a computation is actually very costly when in reality, it's actually not that, that costly. Like this is, this is effectively what happened. And, and obviously, um, you know, pe people weren't expecting so much growth in applications and smart contracts so quickly, right? So the idea was that, you know, when the Stacks 2.1 upgrade happens, uh, you can have the more precise ben benchmark uh, cost functions over there. But thanks to all the developers who are already building and launching kind of like new things, uh, we we are hitting some of those uh, limitations on the network much sooner uh, than expected. Right? So uh, the the, de the details that the core developer has posted on the forum, uh, they're basically results from actual benchmarks. Uh, so if you, if you see like in some of the functions, there's an order of magnitude difference, right? Like where if the cost could have been like two or three, uh, the 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 default value is like a thousand or something like that. Uh, so obviously, it, 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 people should go and read the post to get all the details. But this is the gist of it, right? So what would happen if you just simply upgrade the cost function, which is again a very, uh, in my mind, like I don't see that as a controversial change, because uh, let's look at it from the from from the lens of like different parties involved. Uh, what developers would see is you know everyone everyone wants uh, like you know better scalability more reliability from the network in the sense of like you know their transactions are getting through and getting confirmed so they would see that because effectively the network capacity would go up not really go up but it was artificially constrained and they would kind of like go to the, to the actual level and from a minor perspective because now they can package more transactions per block they can actually make more money per block so i like at least, at least from my perspective, like this is a very uh, uh, kind of like straightforward type of like everyone's incentives are aligned uh, to just update the cost function uh, 
sooner rather than later. And I think I think it's very very interesting to see that we we have those benchmarks now, and people can build upon that. And obviously, the open source community can discuss this and on GitHub and, and, and take it take it from there. All right, thank you. And we'll post a lot of links down below, so definitely make sure to check those out for, for more context. Um, but thank you so much for everyone tuning in. Um, thanks, Mooney, for being here. If you haven't already, please do subscribe to the Hero YouTube channel to be uh, to stay up to date on all things Stacks. Um, and we also love feedback and questions, so feel free to leave them in the comments or, or tweet me. Um, but thank you so much. Till next week. Awesome. Thanks so much.